I didn't have time to get a glass, so excuse me. Oh, nice. What is it, apple juice? Tesco's finest, mate. Lovely. Des Eastwood, known more famously on the BBC iPlayer as Niall from Normal People. How you doing? I'm top of the world. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time from a very busy few weeks from normal people. How was the reaction for you? Yeah, it's been absolutely insane. Uh, the reception has just been incredible and uh, we're all just really delighted and happy. Niall's been described as the best friend that everybody needs in their lives. How did it come about? How did you get cast for it? Uh, well, essentially, I got the uh, the email through my agent, the agency down south, and uh, Louise Kiley was the casting director. Um, so we got sent the character brief, um, short of a couple of paragraphs about the project and the character description, and uh, we kind of went from there. Um, so, you know, I think three of the adjectives were laid back, affable, and uh, fun-loving, so... Immediately, it already looked like a pretty exciting role. Is it the most exciting role that you've done so far? Because I know you've been doing a lot of other projects. How did it feel for you to get such a really, really cool role on a program which, by the way, has been streamed more times than Killing Eve? 25 million times it's been streamed on iPlayer? Yeah, um, yeah, it was... I was over the moon. I was just so delighted to get it. You know, when you see the people that are attached to the project, um, you know, the likes of Lenny Abramson, Hedy McDonald, and the producers, Catherine McGee, Ed Guiney and stuff, like there's so many talented people involved that, you know, you're just so excited. And then obviously to cap that off with how great the novel is, um, you know, it was just so exciting. Is there a little gap for maybe Series 2 on on the telly? Well, you know, I would love nothing more. Um, I, they're doing uh, Conversations with Friends, Sally's other novel, next, the same kind of creative team. Um, so I haven't heard anything about a season two, but, you know, that would be pretty incredible if, if it was to happen and if Niall was to come back, that would be awesome. Niall met Connell in... Trinity College in Dublin and he's a bit of a key role when it came to his relationship with Marion. Do you think that everyone needs a bit of Niall in their life? I think everyone can do with a little bit of encouragement uh, and I think that's what Niall kind of offers. Um, certainly I know I suffer from this that I would overthink you know certain situations too much and I think Connell might be of that mindset. So it's always great to have people in your life that you know encourage you and stuff like that yeah. When you read the script after you got the role, you must have thought, wow, this, this is pretty cool. This is going to be big. But did you ever anticipate that it's going to be as big as it, as it essentially it is? Um, not really. I knew that the anticipation for it was huge, given how great the novel was and how well it was received. So I think we knew that there were a lot of interested eyes around the world on the adaption. Um, and I think when everyone set out to do the adap adaption, you know, the first objective was just to serve the text. And I think fortunately that has happened. And that's why it's done so well, because the material is so rich and, you know, it's so great. You've got a few famous followers from Twitter. I've been reading up on people who've been posting about it. Kourtney Kardashian, nonetheless, <laughs> is one of the fans. Um, some pop stars, Liam Payne and Dua Lipa. I'm not exactly sure what Kourtney Kardashian does, but I know she's got a massive following. So that's not a 
bad ratio so far? Oh, it's awesome and it's really encouraging. It's, I think it's just such a testament to how strong the work is that, you know, it's being recognized across the world. And I think, you know, everyone's just so proud of it and just so happy. And I think, you know, the experience of doing it, you know, everyone just had such a good time. Like we enjoyed it so much that this kind of acclaim is really just icing on the cake. You know, I couldn't have got much luckier in so many respects. The kind of right guy at the right place and, you know, the role was there. So it was just a lot of ingredients came together. And, you know, the biggest of those being that so many talented creatives, you know, all came together. Normal People hasn't been the first big project that you've been involved in like you've been in vikings and krypton as well as blood with adrian dunbar the son of northern ireland what was it like to work <laughs> with adrian uh, yeah it was it was pretty surreal you know he, he is a legend in so many people's eyes he certainly is in mine uh, you know the longevity and the, the quality of his work throughout his career just you know makes him a bit of an idol so to work with him was just, it was just amazing. And, uh, you know, such good material as well. And Sophie Patel wrote it. Um, it was just a great experience. So many great actors, again, a great producer, Ingrid Goodwin. Um, it was awesome, yeah. Before lockdown had been confirmed that we, we weren't to go out and everything was stopping, you were doing a lot of stuff on stage. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was in Lieutenant of Inishmore uh, alongside Paul Meskel, who plays Connell, and it got cut about a week short, which was really disappointing. And then I was kind of three weeks into rehearsal for a play called The Little Foxes at the Gate Theatre with Elizabeth McGovern. And it was, I was having so much fun with that as well. So that was really disappointing. But, you know, everyone's kind of in the same boat. But, uh, you know, hopefully when the dust settles, you know, things can come back. I'd read in one of your interviews that your brother is a, is a producer. He is a writer-director. Um, but, yeah, it would have, he would have had a very big influence on me. Um, and, you know, I think quietly, ultimately, the big dream, certainly for me at least, is to, to work with him again and, you know, work on bigger projects and stuff. What's your parents and your family think? Uh, yeah, there's, it's, everyone just kind of sees the lighter side of things. But, um, you know, I think they were really shocked to see me on the BBC, you know, growing up watching EastEnders and stuff to... Um, you know, just to see their son on television, I think that was a really nice moment for them, I guess. And they're probably a bit relieved, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, I think any parent, when their child tells them they want to be an actor, you immediately think, oh, goodness, here we go. But um, so it was nice to, you know, have a bit of success in that respect. Before you'd, you'd made the leap into wanting to become an actor, you had qualified at Queen's with a 2-1. That's right, yeah. May I add, this is your words, not mine, so don't fall out with me. The most undeserved 2-1 in the history of law? Uh, that could be very well true. I kind of stand by that still, maybe. Uh, yeah, I scraped it. I remember um, I was pulling all-nighters, doing coursework and stuff like that. It was similar to a lot of students, I guess, but... Um, yeah, I can't say uh, it was too well-deserved. With acting comes a lot of no's and a lot of negativity as well as the flashing lights and, and laser beams. Have you found out along the way that the big shows that you've got so far have, have been hard to find? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, anyone who does, you know, well in any field, it's often just the tip of the iceberg and stuff. And, 
you know, inherently with the acting game, you, there's going to be a hell of a lot of rejections. And I think it's a bit harder when you get very close to something and, you know, you can almost taste it that you've got it or something like that. And then it, it slips away from you. But, um, yeah, it's just part of it. And, I, you know, it almost encourages you to, you know, work harder and, you know, put yourself in positions where you, you can get these roles and stuff like that. You started off on stage. What's the end game? You know, I know you're obviously still very young, but do you want to stay on stage and, and do more dramas like normal people? Or would you like to make the move into maybe British soups? Uh, certainly in terms of screen work and theatre, I'd, I'd like to do both. Um, but it's always just down to the material, I guess, and who you're lucky enough to work with. You know, anyone, I guess, naturally wants to work with the best. Um but ultimately, you know, you want to work with people that you really enjoy working with. You know, I've been so fortunate to work with so many great writer directors thus far. And, you know, some really incredible actors who are just so much fun to be around. So definitely in that vein, I'd just like to find the most interesting, challenging and rewarding projects, I guess. Well, what was it like to work with Adrian Dunbar? I would, I would find it quite difficult for the fact that I would just have to be constantly shouting over to him, Mother of God, <laughs> to the letter of the law. Yeah, now <laughs> like, we're sucking oh. diesel. I said that after every take, now we're sucking diesel. No, um, no, it was great. It was, it was incredible to actually watch him, you know, do what he does, like, he's so experienced and he's so natural and so calm and collected. Like he's so natural and that he's got such a great awareness of what's going on in the scene and where the camera is and, you know, hitting those marks and he's just so watchable, but you know, the level of ease at which he performs with is just, it's, it's miraculous. Like, and I think in a lot of respects, people, the best at what they do they do it with a real level of ease because they're in so much control because they are so good and I, I certainly saw that in him and that was you know really inspiring to kind of you know get to that level one day with lockdown comes boredom and really running out of things to watch i know there's so many different platforms to watch new series and series of old but is there anything in particular that you'd be watching or maybe revisiting during lockdown yep uh, well, certainly i got back into breaking bad there recently for the second time round, which i'm enjoying immensely maybe more so than the first time i watched it uh, it's just so good and I, i've actually this time watching it really blown away by hank that performance is just phenomenal i absolutely love breaking bad there was a story yeah. that i was reading about the, the the lady who owns the house where it was filmed where walt and skylar lived where mm -hmm. people were coming past and visiting and they were throwing pizzas on the roof and she <laughs> had to like make a plea online saying you know it was funny the first time or maybe the eighth time but you know yeah. six months down the line it's not funny anymore oh, i love breaking bad like i was a bit mm. late to the party with it because i think it would have been out for six or seven years before I had eventually started to watch it, but Walter White is such an amazing character. I know mm. that he'd been in Malcolm in the Middle. I'd heard of Malcolm in the Middle, but I'd never mm. heard of Walter or of Brian Cranston in in the series. When mm. it comes to your acting, Brian is a lot older than you, but he's established himself in so many different mm. ways. But would you like to play 
the one character for the next 10 years, maybe on a British soap? Or would you like to, as you've said before, go where the best work is? Yeah, that's really, I think that's quite tough. I, like, how could you not look at a role like Walter White, for example, and, you know, not want to do that, I guess? Um, but then I guess... <clears throat> In a lot of respects, my favorite actors have always kind of been the chameleon type actors that, um, you know, shift from role to role. Like, uh, I'm in correspondence with the director at the minute, and he's put me onto this actor called John Hawks, who I didn't know before. And now that I'm aware of him, you know, I see him in so much, but he's just so good. Um, but then the likes of, if you bring it back, Brian Cranston, when I see him in something now, you can't help but see, you know, Walter White. So, you know, it's a tricky balance, but um, yeah, who knows? I'm not sure. Would Breaking Bad be up there with your, your favorite series? For sure, yeah, absolutely. There's so many great ones that I haven't fully watched. Like, I've only seen a little bit of The Sopranos. I haven't seen The Wire yet. There's loads of things I need to watch. I've started watching Queen of the South at the minute, and mm-hmm. it's, it's class, along with Ozark, and I'm coming into the Spooks party as well yeah. so it's i'm enjoying that side of lockdown where i'm getting to see some different programs that i probably wouldn't have had the chance to watch entourage is really good fun it's really kind of laid back uh, but it's a really good watch and um, it's about like an actor who moves out to hollywood with like his best mates from home and he's kind of navigating through that sort of lifestyle or whatever but um there's a character in it called ari gold who plays his agent he's like a super agent and the uh, the performance is just so funny. It's it's really enjoyable to watch. Have you watched The Nest with Martin Comston? No. Oh, it's unbelievable. So it's it's Martin Comston out of Line of Duty. Mm-hmm. It's it's I think it's three parts on ITV, maybe four, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely class. With dramas like that, and thankfully with normal people, I was able to watch it back to back, which I did mm-hmm. in about a day and a bit. But yeah. I don't have the patience for watching a program and then having to wait, wait a week to find out, mm. you know, exactly exactly what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's what I loved about normal people because the way it started and the way it developed and the, the program that it is, what would be your favorite scene from normal people? Oh, that's a tough question. I don't know. There's so many. I remember being very jealous not to have been part of the Gaelic match. I think it's in episode two or three. I think that would have been great, but... You know, the work that Paul and Daisy strung together, you know, is just, it's just remarkable. Like the scenes, you know, even separately, but especially when they're together, it's just, it's just all so good. I remember so clearly, one of the big highlights from the normal people that I remember, you know, the read-throughs. Mm-hmm. So we, it was kind of cut up in two blocks. The first read-through, there was a lot of people in the room, kind of heads of production, BBC, you know, et cetera. And there was so much excitement and buzz in the air. And it was awesome. They read about four episodes. But then for block two, we did a read-through with Hedy McDonald and Catherine McGee, the producer. And, uh, you know, it was just the actors. And it was just so remarkable. Like, Paul did the counselling scene, and it was just it's something I'll never forget. It was just really powerful. Would you ever be interested in, in a part in Dairy Girls? I would absolutely love uh, to do that. You know, even when you watch the show, you just get the sense how much fun people are having making it. Um, and I really experienced that on normal people for sure. Every day, every minute was just an absolute joy. And I think Dairy Girls could be something similar to that. Have you got much feedback from any more 
established actors and actresses with Twitter is, is quite good for hashtags and getting in touch with people like that. Have you had anybody mm. reach out to you and say, hold on a minute, this is class? Yeah, I've, I've had a few comments, just, you know, uh, people messaging, being like, you know, congratulations, it was such an incredible show, really enjoyed Nile and stuff like that, which is, it's just really lovely to receive. Um, yeah, so that's been great, yeah. You're in Lisbon at the minute? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was scheduled to stay in Dublin until August. Um, I was doing the Little Foxes until the 9th of May, which has just passed, and then I was going to be doing Juno and the Paycock by Sean O'Casey at the Olympia Theatre, um, kind of June and July. Um, but yeah, back in Lisbon, it's, it's pretty quiet, but it's nice. It's nice to be back. Is it strange that you're in lockdown and people are talking about normal people so much, you know, over 20 million people have, have watched it on iPlayer, but you haven't been in a position to go to the shop or to be going on holiday or whatever would find you outside your house. So are you going to find it a bit weird when you're going to Tesco's down here? There's your man, Niall! Yeah, who knows? I don't know what will happen, but uh, yeah, it's certainly strange, you know, just to see it all blow up over a computer screen, I guess. Um, I think most unfortunately, what I miss the most would have just been the opportunity, you know, to meet up with the normal people cast and crew when it came out and kind of celebrate together. I think that would have been really, really fun. But, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do something down the line. Would you ever look down the avenue of British soups? Yeah, um, I haven't given it that much thought in terms of where I kind of want to try and put my focus, I guess, but I would never rule anything out. Um, I'm not too sure, yeah. I, I think it would just have to be a conversation that I'd maybe have. You know, my agents and stuff are so great in that we kind of discuss, you know, any opportunities that arise and we kind of sit down and talk about it so you know each case we look at individually i guess there's a nice little breath of fresh air coming from northern ireland when it comes to talent because a lot of it is in sport but Mm. with established people like charlie lawson and adrian dunbar christine Mm. blakely as a television presenter jimmy nesbitt is another one Mm. as well Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then you've got yourself so what's the plan if you could spin the globe what would be the plan for the for the next few years essentially when we eventually get out of this which doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon so you could <laughs> maybe have a few practices spinning the globe I, I don't know ultimately the goal and it's always been the goal from day one is just to work on the best material with the best people of it I would love to work with my brother again and um, one of my best friends Jack Walsh uh, he ultimately got me started down the acting route and uh, I'm kind of working with him on something at the minute. So I'd really love to do that. Um, but we're potentially maybe doing a, a different film later down the line and stuff. So, But it's just hard to forecast when things will resume and stuff. But um, just trying to stay close to good material and good people, I guess. Would there be a dream part that you'd love to play? Uh, certainly in the theatre I'd have you know probably every young actor you know Hamlet would be great I'd love to do Waiting for Gatto and there's a play called Tom Payne a play based on nothing Um, certainly there's in terms of actual roles I could identify them more in theatre but with screen work you know I always grew up loving these incredible performances and you watch them and you're like flip how did he do that like that's just so good but you know that you only discover those once you get into those, I guess, or once they're written. So um, I'm eager to, to hopefully 
try and do good work in that respect down the line. Yeah. Has lockdown given you an opportunity to maybe do a bit of writing and look more into, you know, Des Eastwood as a as an actor into what maybe essentially you might not have had the chance to do if you were working? Yeah, well, I've been sticking pretty close to some of the future projects that I'm hopefully attached to. So I'm still working quite hard in that respect and research and stuff. I have been trying to write, which is like the hardest thing ever. Uh, I find it so hard. I have so much respect for writers. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Um, but yeah, stick with me on that one. I saw online you're a Man United fan, but you got a picture with Lionel Messi. Yes. Yes, I did. Do you want I'm to see it? jealous there. Yeah, sure. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, that's the wrong way. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. Uh, there he is. That's class. There we go. I met him for, I think, 36 seconds in, mm. in Manchester when I was working on All or Nothing with City. I was there working, <laughs> working, <laughs> kicking a ball around for Argentina against Italy in a friendly. So it was the opportunity of a lifetime. I don't really go near talent when mm. they're in a building or wherever it may be. I was like, this is Lionel Messi. We need, mm. to, we need to become friends. I asked him how he was and asked him for a photograph and asked him how his day had been. And yeah. he, he very happily gave me a photograph. I don't really think he understood my Northern Irish accent, but he nodded his head a few times. So it was, was class, that a conflict really nice. of interest, though, being uh, in the Man City enemy territory for you? Were you I know. smashing windows or anything like that? Uh, no, no. I had the time of my life working on that. It was unbelievable. But it's not, a, it's when you're working on something like that, it's work. It's not, yeah. it's not, um, it's, it's not, you know, you're not thinking about United or your team because we spent the whole season with them and they played football, which I can only describe as being frightening and getting to meet the players on a almost first name basis and watching them from the outset and then putting that into practice on a football pitch is incredible. It was, yeah, I'd I'd really like to watch it actually. I think the hardest part of, of the documentary was when they could have won the league against, against United. And they were beating United 2-0 at halftime. And mm-hmm. United came out and, uh, and beat them 3-2. But, that wasn't um, the one Michael Owen scored, was it? No, No, it was Pogba, Pogba scored Pogba scored twice. And I think Chris Smalling scored as well. Okay, yeah. No, yeah. you're thinking of the 4-3. That was, yeah, that was yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was a few years ago. That was okay, when exciting, yeah. more exciting times were, were happening. I'll show you something really yeah. quickly, which is, sure. that's the boss. See up there? Yeah. That's the boss. Do I get the inkling that you're a Liverpool fan? <laughs> I am, yeah. Good times, although uh, yeah, I'm a bit subdued at the minute, unfortunately. Funny, I think the last match I watched, and it would have been the last match, I came out of the Gaiety Theatre and ran across the, to the pub uh, for extra time of Atletico uh, versus Liverpool. I think it was, what was it, 4-2 in the end or something? But... Uh, and uh, the goalkeeper made a horrible mistake again, which seems to be a common theme in Liverpool goalkeepers. So I left early, but it was really disappointing. Well, that's life, I'm afraid. And that's Adrian, that's his name. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no sympathy. You're 20 no. points clear at the top of the Premier League. I know. Should, it, should the Premier League be cancelled? Uh, I think probably for the safety and well-being, yes. 
whether that, you know, and I think in my mind and in everyone else's mind, Liverpool have won the title. So whether it's actually, you know, put down on pen and paper, I think, you know, it doesn't matter that much to be, to me, to be perfectly honest, maybe that makes me a bad fan. <laughs> What's it like um, having one hand on the trophy after 30 years? It's so disappointing. And it could only happen to Liverpool as well. Uh, I can't believe it. Yeah, it was the only thing that could possibly stop the charge. But uh, here we are. Where do you think, in all seriousness, you, you would be now if you've played your, your remaining nine games? Do you think you would have bossed them? Yeah, I think so. I think they would have been playing with so much enjoyment and stuff. I certainly had, if I was free, I really had my eyes on trying to get over to Liverpool for the victory period. Um, because I saw the videos and stuff after the Champions League and it just looked like such a, an amazing celebration. So next year. <laughs> or maybe the year after. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the Klopp factor? What, what do you think he brings? Because I know Benitez, he won the Champions League, which Klopp did as well, to be fair to him. But mm. what do you think Klopp brings apart from his big gnashers? Pure joy, I think, would be the answer. Uh, you can't help but look at Klopp and smile. You know, I think... I could. I think every player in that squad would take a bullet for him. You know that they obviously love playing under him so much, and it looks like so much fun. You can tell that the atmosphere and stuff in the club is just so good, and um, you know he's such an example. I think to everyone, you know, if you're in charge of people or you're working in a, you know, a work environment, you know, the that affability and kind of playfulness he has is just really infectious. Well, that's great to hear. I'm <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah. The complete opposite of David Moyes. No. Excuse me. <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was part of the yeah. That was part of the building process of what oh, we have yeah, now. Yeah. Ollie's yeah. at the wheel. Don't know where we're going, but we're I going love that somewhere. expression, Ollie's at the wheel. Thank He's you. He's at the wheel, but he has no hands. That's what it feels <laughs> like. Thanks for your chat. We'll have to get out the next time there's a derby on. And then Definitely. Um, the loser can buy the drinks. That's going to cost you some money, but yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. And here's, here's hopefully seeing more of you on the, on the screen and on stage, and maybe a little, um, a little part in Derry Girls, or you could be in line of duty as Hastings' long-lost son or something. That's, that's what I'm thinking. I kind of joke with him. I was like, if you ever need someone to play your son, but uh, who knows? How's your, how's your mother of God and your sucking diesel? I'm um, practicing them every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>